Okay, we are live. Let me go ahead and tee this up quickly. It is the uh, the final week of Adar, the last month of the uh, of the year, and we begin the uh, new religious year next Shabbat, a week from today. I think we have the twenty second and twenty third, or the twenty first and the twenty second uh, of the portions. I think it's twenty second and twenty third. About halfway. And we're about halfway, exactly correct. And uh, this is Shabbat Parah. And we have, uh, because it's not a leaf here, a double portion of uh, Bayakel and Pekudeh. So I think that's, uh, that's it. There's been, uh, there's been much death or close to death in our community over the past week. And uh, we are grateful uh, to actually have a minion today. So I don't think there's anything else. Greg made it clear, if you don't have a place for for uh, Passover, you can go over his place, and I'm sure we all would say the same thing. I would, but I actually will literally not have a place for Passover. We are closing on our house like the day before. You will have nowhere to live. So we'll be sharing so with you guys. You, those of you listening online, Joshua is now homeless. Yeah. So, uh, not now. Yeah, that's right. It will be. It will be. There it is. planning on being homeless. Speaking of which, we will be moving from our house on March 25th in the morning. I will have coffee and bagels for those who want to come and help. This is to all those who are in Gastonia. 25 Gastonia March, and if you're anywhere nearby, swing over to Joshua's house. At Indian Trail. So and, uh, we'll send a formal invitation later. But is it, Did I hear beer and pizza? <laughs> Not this time. We're going to have coffee and bagels. Coffee and bagels. We're moving to the storage unit, and there is not a place to have beer and pizza at the storage unit. So instead, we'll start with food. And we'll end with hugs and thank yous. My hugs are nearly as good. Unless you break stuff. Only if it's Richard. Yeah. Sounds good. Nothing better than All right. So Mike has got braces for the next two years. We'll announce that again when he gets them taken off. Congratulations. Welcome to the club. It's going to be a movie star. We know that. So. The cool part is you can change the colors to match your favorite sports team for seasons. At least I could. Yeah, but I baseball decided. moves so slowly, who would know? Was <laughs> 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 right. it Cardinals red? Yeah, that would be that weird. Be very weird. Yeah. It's it was like red and navy for Yeah. Okay. I've seen all Joshua, <laughs> bring it on, brother. Double portion this week. So, yes, um... One of the things I think that this week's one of the things that's really cool is the beginning of the portion asks the, tells the people to bring this stuff that they've got, they want they, from their hearts, they want to give, um, and then immediately transp uh, transpires to talk about Bezalel, quick little Hebrew lesson. So his name is not Bezalel, which looks like that in the English. Um, the Z there is actually a TZ, so it's Bezalel. Or Bezalel. Bezalel. Yeah, that's right. Literally in his shadow is what it stands for, which is cool. So it's like in the shadow of Hashem, the shadow of God. Um, they, uh, there actually is a Betzalel street in Jerusalem. I lived off of Betzalel Street. Where my wife actually lived. And interestingly yeah. enough, there is also an art university on Betzalel, which yes, seems incredibly are. appropriate. Lived across from that. There we go. Um, <laughs> those were the times. Those were the times. Uh, so uh, Betzalel is the son of Uri, son of Hur, um, and God puts in him the wisdom to build and design all these different things, and also the ability to teach. And I was thinking this week about the fact that God gives us all skills and talents and resources and all these things, but sometimes we don't know what it is. And sometimes you, uh, 
You can go a large portion of your life not knowing what it is that you're good at or not knowing what God has given you to share. And I can't help but wonder if Betzalel felt a little bit of the same. Traditionally, he was a very young man, so he didn't have very long to wait. But, um, you know, they're in the wilderness, right? They're slaves, and they're in the wilderness. He's probably gotten a little too artistic with his brick design when he was a slave. Um, now he's moved on to the wilderness. He's building sandcastles with, you know, ornaments and whatnot. And um, he's, he might be feeling a little bit like, what's the purpose of this? Like, God has given me these incredible talents, but what am I supposed to use it for? And in comes the tabernacle. And God gives him this perfect vision, this, this incredibly complicated and beautiful uh, item to build, design, and frame, and sculpt, and, and sew, and all these things. And all of a sudden, he has purpose. And I think it's really important um, that we are aware, we're open, our minds are open to when God gives us opportunity to use the things that he's given us. Um, and I think about... Blessed are you for the food. And for the land. Amen. 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 And I and I think a little bit about we went um, the funeral we went up to Rochester, New York um, was to visit, uh, was for my wife's aunt Stephanie, and it was um, the most meaningful and powerful thing was to see the hundreds of people that came for visitation um, because of the impact that she left behind. Amen. And uh, you know her her talent was motivating and encouraging people, and her passion was reading, and so she got a gorgeous, the most incredible library I've ever seen in my life Amazing. built in this tiny little town in upstate New York um, to replace two very old libraries. Uh, she, she, uh, she set up a book festival for young people, actually got young people reading, which I have to say is a miracle by itself. Um, Largest one in the country. Yeah, I mean, huge event. She gets major authors to come and meet these teenagers to encourage them to read. And the idea, I think that I, well, I guess I'm trying to tie in the proportion with that experience is that she found her niche. She found what she was good at, but she didn't use it for herself only. And I think that's one of the things that really stood out about this portion is these people, you know, some guy gets, hand, you know, they go to their neighbor, they ask the Egyptian neighbor, I want whatever you got in your house that's wealthy. And he goes, I have a truckload of red wool. Great, I'll take it. <laughs> so he's tramping through the desert with red wool and he's scratching his head thinking, what am I going to do with this? But God gave it to me. I'm going to do it for something. And God says, I want you to make tapestries that are really big. And all of them are going to have red wool. And he's going, ha. But the thing was, he had to be open. And I, I just, you know, I think about John the Baptist talking to the crowds. And he's like, you got two coats? Give one away. You know, I think about uh, Paul when he's talking about the different gifts of the Spirit. And he's like, God gives to some hospitality. And he gives to some prophecy and some teaching and all these different things. And it's like, what are you good at? What has God given you? What resources has he given you? Has he given you a big house? Use it for hosting. Has he given you extra money? Give it away. You know, has he given, not, not all of it. You know, I'm okay with people being wealthy. But, you know, what has God blessed you with that you can share? And I think about, like, Aunt Steffi is such a good job of picking that skill. She could have been passionate of reading and read a thousand books every year. And that's great. But it wouldn't have impacted anyone. Instead, she turned that into something that she could share with her community. And she changed people. She, and now there are people, I mean, not that this is, you know, we would hope to aspire to people spiritually as well, but like, I mean, they, they hold stories about people who showed up to say, I went to one of your teen book festivals, and now I'm a librarian. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's really cool. It just is a glimpse, even on a worldly level, of what kind of impact we can leave behind. Mm -hmm. And this Torah portion, I think, is about that, you know, a large part about that. Because Betzalel had skills that probably meant nothing for the first however long of his life. But as soon as God gave him opportunity, he jumped for it. 
You know, and it's different from feeling like I have to discover myself. I think that's silly. People travel to India to go find themselves. Were they hiding in India? I'm not sure. But um, not to say that people don't struggle with that. That's not something to deal with. But I think the important thing is just to be open, to be looking. What does God have? And not looking for yourself. I think is what the world does. I want to know who am I so I can make myself happy. And I think the biblical model is what do other people need that I can give? Um, so this, oh, go ahead, sir. Well, I was just going to jump to the end. That's um, fine. Move around. Just for an opportunity to honor your father. Um, always take an opportunity to honor my father. <laughs> hey, I'm trying to do the same. Um, but uh, in, the, in the Hebrew study on brands online, um, my family first learned of this amazing concept in the last chapter of this book of Shemot, that they did everything right. Everything was absolutely perfect. Mm -hmm. Over and over and over again, it says, the people did exactly what Moshe commanded them, and Moshe did exactly what God commanded them. They did it all correctly, and it got put together, and it was perfect, and sure enough, God was able to dwell among his people, and he did so. And then it makes it clear. Even Moshe was not able to go into the tabernacle with God. And if, uh, I think if we, if we miss that poignant statement, we, we miss the reason for Vayikra. We miss the reason for the next book, which leads us right into the priesthood and what's necessary for us to draw near to the Holy One, blessed is he. And, and we learn that as a family in your home, with your father teaching the, the, the study on Hebrews. And it's, it's still available. I just read through it again this past week. If you haven't read my dad's study of Hebrews, you haven't really read the book of Hebrews. Yeah, that's right. You truly lived. <laughs> yeah. But it's good. And, um, you know, at the beginning, we're reminded, uh, as I said in the, in the Torah service, of uh, this, that, that Moshe came down from the mountain, went back up, came back down. In essence, he went up to heaven, he met with God. He came down. He went back up to meet with God a second time. And when he returned the second time, he gathered the people of Israel. And that's exactly what he was, has done, right? He descended, came with us. He ascended to the Father. He will ascend, descend a second time, and he will gather his people, the people of Israel. And you know what's cool about that is not only does he gather the people, but then immediately he builds a place for God among the people. Which is exactly what Messiah, Messiah is going to do with the, with the Gentiles. We're going to build the, the next third temple, temple. That's exactly right. to host God. That's right. And I think one of the things you mentioned was that it was so holy that Moses couldn't go in. But you know what's amazing? The building was holy enough to be a host for God. Yes. The people's gift... Their service, their obedience was so perfect that God felt like those walls of cloth and gold and wood were holy enough to be a, a, a seat for his presence on earth. And I think that that really stands out to me because like what you're saying, they obeyed him perfectly. And I think that's something that um, we can lose track of. You know, the, the people of Israel, they made mistakes. We read about them last week. But... When, we read about him in the Haftarah as well. But the number of times that they did exactly what God said um, should be an inspiration for us. Yes, sir. Uh, thank you for that, by the way. But at the same time, their perfect obedience was insufficient. That's right. 
because mm. even for God to dwell in the, in that tabernacle on the inauguration day. And the reason we know that is because Moses had to anoint all the all the articles. At the time that he assembled it, everything was anointed. The priesthood was anointed. God came, he, he filled it, but they could go in because they still, they still had to be purified. And that's, that's where right. we get the purpose for the offerings. Right. In exactly the same way, Messiah can't build a habitation for God. He himself can't be here as as King Messiah, except that the people be prepared, prepared, that's right. purified, and the only way. And that's why the the, the notion of Messiah's uh, work uh, of salvation on our behalf, the shedding of His own blood, is not is is not to minimize its personal individual uh, action. But it's a it's a corporate requirement. Otherwise, he can't he cannot dwell. God cannot dwell amongst us. So it was absolutely necessary for the people to be purified. And so his and the, and the notion that we get it, you know, the two times and coming of Messiah, we, we probably can't completely explain that. But we can certainly understand the correlation in at the end of Exodus to what Messiah must that what Messiah had to have done in his first coming and what he completes in his second coming. And along those lines, there's an interesting <clears throat> argument in this week's text in the Midrash uh, between Bezalel and Moshe. So Moshe, it says, if you read the text, it says, and Bezalel created everything as Adonai commanded Moshe. And the sages say, that's odd. Why wouldn't he do everything that Moshe had commanded him from the word of Adonai? It's kind of reversed. So the, the, the Midrash, the, the tradition behind that, is that Moshe tells Bezalel, you go and build all of the inside items, the ark, the menorah, and so forth. Bezalel says, no, no, no. Hashem said, build the tabernacle first, the, the physical walls first, and then build the furnishings. Do you not build a house first and then put the furnishings inside? And Moshe agrees. You were right. You know, this is correct is what Hashem said. But what's interesting is that, um, so, uh, Yishai Fleischer in his show this week talking about this idea, he says this is very similar to this, to this Israel. The idea that like you start with kind of the mundane, the physical outside, mm -hmm. the, you know, we had communists building the state of Israel. The holiness of God is still not really in Israel. It's becoming more and more religious. Baruch Hashem, the, uh, the, the, the plug for, for people having, having children or, or adopting more kids into the righteous side of the, of the line, um, the number of religious families are multiplying like rabbits, and the uh, the rest of them not so much. So it's becoming a slightly more religious country over time. There is hope for America yet, um, <laughs> but the uh, in uh, but the point though is that he was trying to say is that you start with the physical. You start with like the the less impressive, the things that are common, and then you bring the holiness in. It reminds me of the book of Ezekiel, where uh, he sees this vision of all these all these bones, and they're all dead, and it's this, the picture of Israel. Of, of being completely dead and gone. It's so much like the Holocaust. I mean, it's, just like, it's over, beyond over, the dry bones. And God says, speak to the bones, the bones come together, then flesh and muscle and tissue and all this stuff comes up, but they're still bodies. They're not alive. And God says, speak to the wind. And the wind comes and fills them, and they, the, the same word for wind, same word for spirit, and it fills them and they're alive now as an army of living men. And it's this picture of like, God starts the body first, and then the spirit comes in afterwards, and that's what makes us, you know, complete whole, um, both the physical and the holy coming together. And I and I think about the tabernacle kind of starts with the physical and go to the holy. Um, so Yeshai Fleischer was saying, so the state of Israel has started with the physical, it's going to the holy. 
Um, and even even with you know with with Yeshua, you're talking about Yeshua. He's bring make the people holy first before he can he can truly dwell with us. Same idea. It's like we're going to start with the people, and then the presence of God is going to sit in that midst. Once there's a house for God, that's when God is going to be there. And I think it's encouragement to us too that sometimes in our lives we. Um, Oh, I apologize. Just, uh, I was watching that. Uh, <laughs> Everybody was watching that. <laughs> uh, the, the, That's right. The point is that the uh, that um, for us too, we sometimes need to take those those first steps, you know. And sometimes that first step is very it doesn't look like a lot, right. um, you know. Your first step towards uh, being able to have uh, guests from out of town stay in your house. Might be to get a bigger house, you know. Maybe you have a house in the first. Place. It could be a house in the first place, moving out of your apartment. Um, although I will say, it is possible to host a guest in a one-bedroom apartment. It's a challenge, but it's doable. The, the, the point, though, is that um, you know sometimes it starts with baby steps. Sometimes it starts with the small things. Um, but like it said in, uh, in the prophets, and like my uh, Christian friends at the organization I used to work for used to quote all the time, "Who has despised the day of small things?" You know, it's like you can you can kind of think like, "Oh, well, that's nothing." But every step starts a process that's bigger. And if you, um, you want to think great, you still have to take that first step. And I think that was kind of the lesson there from Betzalel. He says, let's start with the outside. We'll start with the cloth and the linen and the wooden and the copper. And we'll get to the gold items that house God, so to speak, that, that are home for God later. Um, and that's okay. Yes, sir. Well, I was going to uh, bring up the importance of the Sabbath. Um, we saw that, uh, I guess it was last week's portion, that before we started talking about the tabernacle and we were describing it, Moshe brings up the Sabbath and makes it clear we need to keep the Sabbath. It's actually more important than the tabernacle. Mm -hmm. And now that we're about to assemble it uh, and put it all together and whatnot, again, we have, uh, for six days work may be done, but the seventh day should be holy to you. A day of complete rest to God. Whoever does work on it should be put to death. You should not kindle a fire in any of your dwelling places on the Sabbath day. And then he speaks to them and says, let's pull everything together to make this thing. I I like the uh, the gutnik because it's uh, it's got at the end of each portion uh, which of the commandments was contained in the portion you read. Shockingly, since we already know we have to keep the Sabbath, um, and whoever does work on it should be put to death, I was surprised when I read the one prohibition by Achel is that the court should not carry out an execution on Shabbos. Hmm. So, they gleaned from this, which has already been mentioned in the Torah. Um, whoever does work on it should be put to death. But not on the Sabbath, because that would be the work of the court hmm. on the Sabbath and so forth. So um, I just think it's important that we recognize once again that instant amongst all this stuff, the Sabbath is still such an important part and picture of what ultimately the tabernacle is providing. Right. And it's, I think it's, it's an important lesson to us because I feel like, especially those of us who quote-unquote quote, don't have a rabbi, you know, we just ask all your questions and they tell you what exactly to do. It's a reminder that you're constantly having to make choices between good and best. 
You know, I think very few of us, hopefully none of us... I found only one reminder about your having to make choices in Lindfest. True. Make a post about the release of responsibility. True. <laughs> Thank you for your contribution. <laughs> I think that one of the things that we run into... Um, At least it's not an evil laugh. <laughs> uh, he apparently was even trying to comment. I didn't quite catch that, but that's okay. Something about responsibility. We have responsibility. Um, good point. The point, though, that I was going to say is that uh, in, in thinking about these things, you have to make those decisions. And sometimes, you know, I, I would I would hope, say this very carefully, that we would not be making decisions um, that we know are wrong. But so oftentimes in the scriptures, especially in, in, in Bereshit in the book of Genesis, we see godly, righteous men that make bad decisions because they're trying to do what's best. And they're trying to weigh this one versus that one. They're not sure what to do. And they err because they choose the one that's not so great. You know, Yeshua struggles with this. Not he doesn't personally, but the people around him struggle with it. And he, it's, he's interspersed on the Sabbath. He's healing people. And they're going, that's not okay. And he's like, why is this not okay? This is good. We do good on the Sabbath. We don't pet on the Sabbath, we heal on the Sabbath. And, you know, this, this idea that um, I think it's a reminder to us that we have to... We have to know the scriptures well. We have to delve into the scriptures. We have to really try to understand them because that this is our challenge, especially as men, to try to navigate which one is better, you know, and which one is, is the better of the mitzvahs. Unfortunately, in the fallen world we live in, sometimes we have to make choices. But the Sabbath is one of the, the, the highest level ones, and there's very few things that we do that are more important than that. Saving life being one of them. I, for the first time, was uh, reading this with my bride this week, and it, I, I guess it's the first time we saw that uh, this tabernacle is pretty robust. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if, unless I misread something, the walls of this are like a foot and a half deep. Mm. This thing isn't going to get blown around by the wind. Mm -hmm. it's this not a is, tent. yeah, it's not a tent, not even close. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as you're reading through the, uh, the commentary, on, at least in, in my Bible, um, it's, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're arguing where, you know, no man can lift these beams. Yeah. Beams they're covered with gold. Yeah. They're, they're big to begin well, with, one and then they're covered them. with gold. One man can lift them. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, you know, they come up with the idea that, well, since Moshe could put it together, you guys must be 15 feet tall, you know, and... <laughs> And their explanation as to why he couldn't be 15 feet tall was like, no, no, when he was described, that would have been the first thing you'd say. He's a giant. That's his guy's humongous. Yeah, so it, it is... Uh, but it was miraculous regardless. Yeah, it's substantial, and the building of it was certainly a work of men with God. Right. Which I think should be a, a bellwether for us. Our life should not be filled with what we've done what we've done with God. Right. Good point. It just many, many great things can come of that. That humility, recognizing God's work in, in your work. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a tradition about Moses putting it together, and it says that the uh, the tabernacle was assembled. So the sages say, the Chabad commentary, I think this is Rashi, says that um, what this teaches us is that the, he, it says, by his hand. So Moses just looked like he was putting it together, you know. They pick this stuff and together, and it's like the tabernacle actually assembled itself, which is pretty cool. I mean, we've seen those movies. Yeah. Then, then you get the argument over: Did it get? Was it built the week before, and it was up during the inauguration of, of Aaron's priesthood and his son, 
or was it taken down every night? Put it up for the day, take it down at night. Put it up for the day, take it down at night. Hmm. Or was it put up for the very first time on the first of Nisan? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think we, we need to argue one way or the other. Um, but the fact that there is or was a tabernacle and that it was put up for a specific purpose, to me, is, is the key here. You know? It's like Schrodinger's cat. It can exactly. all be all of the above be because it's an intersection of the eternal. That's right. And that was one of the That's cool right. things, too. I remember reading this week, which was very robust. And it's a, they talk about, you know, shekels and how much they're really worth. Um, and you don't really realize how much a shekel is worth until you look at the, the silver. Because they point out that each Jew gave a half shekel right. or whatever towards the silver. And they're only like, you know, a hundred shekels. But they were 300,000 Jews. Men, 500,000. They were, they were in a lot. There were hundreds of thousands. Um, it was 300 something. 603, anyway. 550 total. There, that number. Point is, there were hundreds of thousands of, of Jews here. They each gave a half shekel. And what's amazing is that all of those half shekels only ended up to a hundred and change. Um, and each, each of the bases that these boards went into, I mean, these were not, this wasn't, this wasn't like the, the wall, you this know, socket each socket that each board fitted, the, each board had two sockets, was a shekel apiece. Yeah. These things were worth an unbelievable amount of silver. And each board had a pair all the way around the tabernacle and I are in the inside, the holy place. And it's like the if you think about it, you know, you the awe that you would have felt, maybe not the people because they didn't see it, but the, the priests they went in, the awe of the people as they're making it, you know, this like this is what it takes as humans yeah. to to experience the presence of God. And uh, I'm reminded of um when we were in Israel, the the art, the art tour. They took us around the the Temple Mount or the the bot base around the Western Wall and inside the tunnel tours. And one thing they said was that the the walls, um, the 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 wall that's now the Western Wall, if you look very closely at it, it's not even. They actually built it with different sized stones on purpose to sort of make it feel like it's like leaning just a little bit. Like kind of out, kind of a creepy way. Um, the intention was because as you're looking at it, it's supposed to seem massive, really big. I mean, it was really big, but I mean to look at it and be like, whoa, you know that feeling. If you ever, if you ever walk to a really, really uh, tall building, um, sometimes you feel almost like it's kind of like leaning on top of you. That was the idea. You're supposed to have that feeling, like just that awe, just looking at the wall. And you know, not today, Jews gather from all the world to pray at the wall. Um, so obviously it, was, it worked. Um, but the, the point is that like that was a man's effort to try to replicate this. I mean, God's effort, I mean, like I said, we're talking about like, what, hundreds of thousands of shekels of worth was the base for this thing. Not counting the gold and the copper. And we got copper staves. For those of you who've gone camping, you ever use a little six inch, little puny little metal staves, don't hold your tent in all that well all the time. Sometimes, depends on how much it rains. I'm thinking if you have like copper staves, you know, that are like, you know, yay thick, drilled into the ground, they probably do a better job. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. It was, it was, it was an impressive structure. It was an inspiring structure. We got like 
the gold thread round around each one of the the blue has a gold thread and the red has a gold thread and the linen has a gold thread and the purple has a gold thread and each one of those has like six threads plus gold thread so it's like i mean the, the sewing my favorite story this week from the midrash they say that the the wise women spun the goat hair tradition holds they spun the goat hair while it was still attached to the goat <laughs> that is really cool be still That'd be different. <laughs> um, this is they, they were wise-hearted women. Catch that goat. He's got the rest of the curtain attached. You know, they, they were very wise. They were goat whispers. You know, right there. Um, so, but my point is that like it was impress, it was impressive, because that's what it had to be, because God is so far beyond us. If it was anything less than awe-inspiring, it would be an insufficient place to represent God's dwelling on earth. It had to blow you away. But you know, in the same way as the miracles that he had done became somewhat common for them, I think there were times the tabernacle had become somewhat common. And if you see it as it goes all the way down to the sons of Eli, sitting outside of that tabernacle once it was in the land it became something that they didn't see as awe-inspiring anymore and as in all things it's just a lesson for us to remember that that God should always inspire awe in us and mm-hmm. the things that he's done I'm thinking, sitting here thinking about the the things that Yeshua said was you know, with man this is impossible but with God all things are possible mm-hmm. and, and thinking about Moses trying, you know, putting this all together and all the things and realizing that what truly is impossible with man is easy with God. And and we need to remain in that sense of awe hmm. about what he can do. Yeah, absolutely right. It's one of the best things about kids is they still have such a sense of awe about the universe. You know, it's like the when you're a small child, it's like you know, you have a little toy that lights up and makes music, and it's like, that's the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Richard has this little, like, guitar, and it plays classical <laughs> music, and he just sits there staring at it like, I can't believe he it did again. He sings along. Yeah, mm-hmm. he does, he does. But he looks at it, and it's like, he just, he can't take his eyes off it. Like, that's amazing. The red light keeps blinking, and it keeps making noise. Some of us want to take the batteries out, but the point is that, you know, well, actually, no, this one's okay. Some other ones... Well, now the point is, though, that like uh, as adults, we lose that sense of awe. You know, we so oftentimes we've seen the tabernacle a thousand times, and we've kind of gotten tired of it. You know how awesome it is to see a child sit at the window, face planted, watching the rain, because they can't believe that water is falling out of the sky. You know, and I think that this is something that we need. It's a good lesson to remind yourself because you, you're right. Even the tabernacle can become commonplace. Even the most miraculous can become normal. And we have to remind ourselves regularly, you know, when you're reading the Torah portion for the 19th time and you're getting bored because there's a double portion and you're really struggling to get through the passage about the tabernacle that you've already read three weeks ago because it's the same thing. It's like, this is awe-inspiring. Like, don't lose sight of that. These are God's words that he chose to give Moses to write to us. And and if we, if we lose sight of that, then you're right. We will miss the holy and confuse it for the common. Mm-hmm. But God wants to do the opposite. He wants to take the common and make it holy. That's why I started today simple. 
by thanking him just for our breath. Right. And then before we eat. Right. The simple things. The simple things. That we that he gave us the food after we eat. Land. All those things are the simple common things. And those are the reasons why <clears throat> then when things are desperate and we are in need of help, we feel much more comfortable to run to him because we've already spoken to him about the common things. Thank him about the normal things. And then hopefully you can see the miracles more. You know, we just got done with the book of Esther, Purim. And the, and the Megillah is all about the idea that God's not there. The game of God doesn't show up in the entire book. But can you see him? Did you find him in the book of Esther? Well, it's supposed to be a lesson for us today. Can you find him now? Do you see him now? Like in the day-to-day -day stuff, did you see him in the food that he gave you? Did you see him in the money that you earned when you worked to work? Or did you just say, well, I worked hard today and God gave me money? Or not even God gave me money. I happened to be a production of my labor. Cause and effect. But it's not cause and effect. Nothing is cause and effect. God is the cause. And all the other pieces we see are simply because of his good favor. And, you know, we don't... And to claim credit for it, like you were saying earlier about the humility of us in, in, in recognizing these gifts from God, um, we lose sight of that. And then it comes coming. We miss the miracles. Miracles happen all the time. All the, everything's a miracle. One of the really cool stories in the, um, in the book, The Six Constants Vote, is there's a, uh, this guy's a miracle. Mm -hmm. uh, in, the, in The Six Constants Vote, there's a story about a rabbi and his daughter, and they're out of oil to light their, their, their lights on Shabbat. And, the, and the, the rabbi asks his daughter, well, go get the vinegar. Let's light the vinegar. The daughter seems kind of confused. Vinegar doesn't burn. Um, that won't work very well. Might as well ask for water. You know, light the water. Okay. Um, so uh, the rabbi looks at his daughter and says, what makes the oil burn? Does the oil not burn simply because God chooses to make oil burn? God chooses to make oil burn. He can make vinegar burn too. So the vinegar burns. It's pretty cool. Mm. But the point is that like we have to realize there are miracles all the time. This is life is a miracle. We realize that and we see God in everything. One thing, two, it's also very cool about making the common common holy. So the women are the heroes of this week's Torah portion. With those mirrors. With the mirrors. So the women show up and they have brought their copper mirrors to give to Hashem to make the bronze labor. Tradition holds that Moses says, no, these are used for beauty. They're kind of used for, you know, husband and wife, like relationship type stuff. It's like, that's not really appropriate for the temple. God cracks Moses. He says, no, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Because the mirrors were used by the women to beautify themselves in Egypt with the intention to have children. It's like they took the common and made it holy. They took the normal day-to-day and made it about serving God. That's exactly what I want. So I'm paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. So they take the, 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 the mirrors and they make the bronze labor. What's cool is that Rashi teaches that the bronze labor, which held water, right, is what they use. They would use the water from the bronze labor with the story of the woman who's, who's caught with the guy, right? So she, he goes, she, the husband says, don't see that guy again. And she goes, she hangs out with him, you know, in the coffee shop and everybody leaves. Everyone's like, well, no one knows what happened in there. Everyone was gone. So they, the woman goes to the temple, and they're like, well, did you do anything wrong? And she says no. It's like, well, drink this. And if you did anything really bad, well, 
things are going to swell in a really weird way, and you're going to fall over dead. If you didn't do anything bad, then you're going to be okay, and you actually have kids. So, you know, it's a bit of a gamble, but if you want to tell me right now that you did something bad, we'll just avoid the whole thing. But if you insist that you were innocent, drink this. So they would use the water from the bronze labor, which came from the mirrors of the women, which is all about a healthy husband and wife relationship. I think it's really cool. Like, God, God so honored these women for wanting to give that up, uh, that sacrifice of their, of their mirrors, and now it's used to bring peace between husband and wife. Um, women heroes again, earlier in the portion, they show up. This is the men with the women, and the, the Art Scrolls commentary says that the women were actually the better, uh, the more important group there, because they came up with their jewelry to give their jewelry towards the tabernacle. In fact, the, uh, the um, Rashi commentary in the Chabad website says they actually were still wearing it. They showed up with it on them, and they're like, you know, here, take my rings, take my bracelets, take my earrings. Like, let's put that towards, towards the temple, the tabernacle. And just that, that sacrifice by them was, was special. Like, it mattered to God. He noticed. Um, and I think it's really, really cool that they chose to, again, we talked about at the beginning, they chose to give what they had. This is what they had. They literally were wearing it. You know, we contrast this with the golden calf. In the golden calf story, I can't remember who told me this, but it's a really cool point. Um, gold, maybe in Sam Nadler, Hope of Israel. Golden calf story says that they, almost like a violence, that, the, that they tore the earrings out of their ears. Tore them. So it's like the husbands were like, really got to build this calf. Give me those. You know? <laughs> but with the tabernacle, the women came willingly, giving of their jewelry because they wanted to build a place for God. Um... I mean, it's really cool because I think sometimes, especially in, in Jewish tradition, you know, the men are important for the minion and all that stuff, but, but women play a very important role. We can't lose sight of that. Mm -hmm. You know, men's role, the, Judaism is very, very good at segregating because they recognize that men and women are different. Men, men do one thing and men do something else. doesn't mean men's role is, is less important. In fact, if anything, women do their, well, their job well. It's probably more important most of the time. They're taking care of our kids. Um, but... Uh, but the point is that like they're both so beautiful before God, and uh, and it's an opportunity. God has opportunity for us to serve Him whatever we have. So of course we're getting towards the end of this portion. Let's see what we've got here. Doing okay. We have more time. We want to keep chatting. I had a question. Yes, sir. Was the embroidery? On the curtains in the courtyard, on the inside or the outside? Yes. Yes. <laughs> My Bible says animals. And in the same regard, was the environment in the inside of the tabernacle showing inside or outside? Both. Who's the environment for? Well, it's both, right? Like, it's, it, it was a double-sided, according to, to tradition. So, it was both for the people out on the outside, so to speak, to see, or the priests. But then also, it was on the inside as a re representation towards Hashem, right? I don't know. Ask mm -hmm. Well, you can see something on both sides. One side just might not look as good as the other side. <laughs> well, they traditionally, they were... Unless it looks different on the outside. Unless it's... Unless it's Double stitched or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just get two outsides. 
when it's inside, when it's outside. I think traditionally it was designed that way, so yeah. that it was on both sides. I just found it curious, you know, reading this whole portion this week, where you know, your normal Bible is going to say cherubim or cherubs or whatever, and ours has animals. And I'm like, I, would, hmm, I wouldn't have called angels animals. Except the descriptions in Revelation and other places, they all have animal appearance. Right, you get the ox. The birds. They're having a little bit of a difficulty with idolatrous images. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Got a comment in the back I, here. Um, yeah. I was reading in, I don't know how to say it, the Delich? Yes, that one. Um, they give an example of when Yeshua is in the wilderness and it says the wild, or it says the angels come to tend him, but the word they used they said um, it can be interchangeable between uh, angel or wild animal. Huh. So nice. I think it's really That's cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Well, it's interesting. In the There are different types of angels, and one of them is actually the same word for animal. The chayot. Chayot, right. Yeah, they're, they're actually a um, living being, but chayot is the same, is the same Hebrew for animal. Um, and... Uh, one of the cool traditions that I learned from um, my brother-in-law, Peter, uh, is that when you get to that section of the prayers, talk about the chayot, it's a reminder that, um, you know, the animals of the world, so to speak, can serve God. There's a section about the end. The chayot say, it's this very, it's part of like this, you know, crescendo moment in the past. We're quoting the angels, and we talk about the chayot. And it's supposed to be a reminder to us that our physical bodies, the, the animal side of us, so to speak, can also serve God. Right. Mm -hmm. That's serving by eating, by breathing, right. by drinking. Right. As we were talking about earlier about making the common holy. I think that's mm -hmm. one of the things that I, I always I fell in love with, with with Judaism when I started keeping the Torah um, many years ago was that the physical wasn't bad. Mm -hmm. I remember is you know you grow up in a Christian background and it feels like, well, we have to eat because we'll die. But you're only eating so that you can have the energy to serve God. Mm -hmm. You know, if you uh how dare you do anything fun or entertaining because that's a waste of time. If you're not in the dark studying scripture in Latin, then it's like you're not really serving God. And did you get a job as a plumber when you could have been a pastor? Well, that's just wrong. You know, and that whole idea that like there's there's a segregation of uh, that's beyond the scriptures. There is a segregation of common things and holy things, but the Bible has that laid out pretty clearly. Um, but the, uh, the goal of Judaism, the whole idea of tikkun olam, repairing the world, is that you want to bring the holy into the world. You mentioned earlier the, the power of the temple, right? The presence of God dwelling among us, how we, the people have to be holy. Well, in the book of Revelation, as we get to the end, the people are so holy. The world is so holy. This new heaven and new earth, there is no temple. Because all that we just read about in this week's Torah portion is unnecessary. Well, expanded. That's what Ezekiel talks about. That's the it's big. The courtyard will be Jerusalem, or the Holy of Holies will be Jerusalem, and the Israel will be the the uh, the courtyard, and the whole world will be holy to the Lord. And, and, and the bells and the pots and pans yeah. are holy to Hashem. Yeah, that whole idea that like the it's supposed to expand until it consumes everything, and then everything is holy. And God is able to dwell among us with no with no walls. I know we all want it right now. I know we do. Um, and uh, and I think that that's important for us as we 
as we look at, as we live our lives, that we try to bring that holiness, expand that holiness ourselves by, by blessing God for the food, by, by thanking God when we wake up in the morning, by wearing tzitzit with our clothes. You know, you, you're bringing holiness into the normal everyday stuff. The normal everyday stuff is not bad. You're supposed to make it better. Um, one thing I noticed this week that was kind of cool, so the commentary from Rashi says that the dividing curtain is not a covering. It is the similar word that's related to the idea of protection. So that was cool. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think about, okay, we're not quite at the stage, we're getting very close to it, outlet covers. Mm. Little kids crawling around, you got to put these little plugs in the outlets. and um, Or the gates that you put or up. Or the gates that you put up, right? Or the dentist, uh, things that they put on you, the big lead aprons. Well, the x-rays, right. Right. Yeah, right, right, right. And it's like coverings. Or the body armor that we've got hanging in the garage. <laughs> yeah, well, some, of this, some of us do anyway. Um, the, 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 that's supposed to cover you, but it's protecting you. And I think, you know, we get all kind of taught up in the Christian idea. Veil was torn so that you know, Yeshua's blood, we can go into the Holy of Holies and hang out with God, give him a big hug, and it's like... You'll die. Yeah, it's like, we kind of, we kind of, I think we lost the awe along the way, and, and it's like, that curtain was not to keep us out. It wasn't for God saying, this is the law, and you're not good enough to hang out with me. It was protection. I am the law. It was protection. God was saying, I am so holy, that if you get too close, you know, I want you to experience me in a healthy way and because of a current existence on earth you and I can't get that close but I love you enough I want you as close as you can by the hazmat suit right so I'm going to protect right. you with this dividing curtain and I think that's one thing when you read the book of, of uh, the gospels talk about that, that pairing of the curtain the image that I think you're supposed to get, we've talked about this I think before, is almost the idea of like rending a garment. It's God mourning. It's not God throwing up with the door and saying, okay, it's party time. It's God mourning over the death of his son. Um, and in the in the book of Hebrews, when it talks about like in the and you know the way has been opened, it's a covenant language. It's, it is it's kind of the idea that we're, we've come into his presence, but it's a spiritual sense. I mean, the point of that part of Hebrews is to say this is a spiritual reality, but it's a physical reality. Spiritual reality has changed to some degree. At least we're experiencing the, the reality is now here in our sense of time. In God's time, it never changed, but for us it did. Um, but as it says in this week's portion that we read under the, the um, Blaine Foundation passage, if you show we're on the earth, he wouldn't be a priest because the physical reality hasn't changed. It's still the same. And he's the wrong tribe. Right, he's the wrong tribe. He's Judah, not even Levi. So it's it's it's, it's got to be a different priesthood than we, the one we're, we're reacting with now. And if you're confused by that, tune into the Zadi class in the next few. That's we'll right. Digging we're into the Fevers. That's yeah. right. Um, and we got to figure figure this stuff out because it's confusing. But um, yeah, I'm going to try and avoid having everybody show up and say, "Did you read my study?" <laughs> no. Go home. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you're standing at the door. Right? I it's did, like I didn't make it up. I know you didn't make it up. <laughs> Standing at the door like a bouncer, being like, Have you? Oh, that's sorry. right. No, yeah, you're going to have to go home. So, are you, can we talk about the Ezekiel 36 passage? We can't talk about anything and, that's not in the paperwork. And why it sounds like the altar of incense is inside the Holy of Holies? That was from Hebrews, but yes, you're right. It was Hebrews, right. It was 8, wasn't it? 
eight or nine. Like we that. read both today. Really, there should be no chapter breaks in the book of Hebrews. The whole thing should be read in one one breath. Because it's chapter two and eight and nine. It's way right. more yeah. uh, helpful when you read it yeah. as a block. Um, it really is. Yeah, there is a little confusion around that. And actually, if you read, and, I mean, and, you, well, I think it's only confusion if you read it in the English translation. Right. I mean, that's the that's the, the whole idea. Say, it doesn't say it's there. Right. The Greek also does not have the word for mercy seat. Just want to erase that from your vocabulary. It's actually not in the Greek, nor is it in the Hebrew. The mercy seat does not exist. It is the covering, which happens to be where they put blood at Yom Kippur or sprinkle in front of it, but it's not the mercy seat. Yeah, they never sprinkle on In front of Yeah, in front of it. Yeah. Yeah. Bottom. Or towards it. Yeah. Where is it? That's a nine. But yeah, I believe the Greek there is different. I don't it's, think... Actually, it means it pertains to, which is actually correct. Right. It's one of the, one of the issues... Uh, uh, Monty Judah was a messianic teacher back in the, well he still is I imagine um, essentially rejected the book of Hebrews primarily one of the reasons why was because of that message that it wasn't actually there, well it's like anybody that can read Exodus knows that it's not in the Holy of Holies right, so, right. which is actually a, a measure of authenticity for the book of Hebrews because otherwise you'd fix it right? In other words, if it was fake, you'd be like, well, we know that's not true, so here, let me just cross that out and say it was in front of the veil or something like that, right, as opposed right. to, no, it's actually, but the problem is it's in English, and it actually says as it pertains to, and, right. the, reason, and the purpose for the uh, incense, incense was for the Holy of Holies. And to keep that priest alive, that high priest alive. Okay, so in fact, it's 9-5? Yeah. 9-4. Nine, nine, uh, if, if the high priest didn't have the incense, and the smoke of the incense. We read earlier, without He's that, he it. would die. Well, it's he, interesting because that's actually one of the debates the Pharisees and Sadducees. The Pharisees said, based on Yom Kippur, we're going to get to in a, in a few weeks, that the priest would go in, wait around the incense first in the holy place, um, and then do the blood and all that stuff. The Sadducees said, no, 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 no. The, the, the smoke should be like waved around on like the outside of the veil because we don't go inside with that, whatever. Anyway, there's a debate about what, how you do it. If he doesn't go inside with that smoke, he will die. It was a debate. And Words. one year, I think they said, Vision holds that like a Sadducean priest went and did it his way, he died. So we decided not to do it that way anymore. Because we get the rope around that guy's leg. Yeah, the word is echo. It means it pertains, it's, it's a possession of. In other words, the, it, the holy place owns the, the altar of incense. Which makes total sense. No, because holy, that's holy the whole idea. owns the altar of incense. Uh, the, the, the smoke from the incense altar was meant to be like covering kind of a shadow of that spot. Right. So I loved it while you're on it. I just love that image as well. And that's that. It's not just the image at, at Yom Kippur, but anytime the incense lit, um, that the menorah was became six be, between became size, which is right. you know, all from Zechariah with the, the image because it's completely it completely fogs the whole place. Right. It fills it up. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't have windows or vents, so. Incense, I mean, that's well, going to fill that place up. To me, the whole incense concept is exactly like what we went through three, four portions ago with Moshe wanting to see God. And he said, well, yeah. you know, you, you just, you can't. Right. You, this, that can't happen. You can't see me and live. But let, I'll walk by. I'll, I'll, I'll cover you up. Incense. Smoke. Right. Mm -hmm. right. I'll cover you up, and then you can see my back. You know, I'll take my hand away. 
But to me, it's, it's the same type of deal. If you were to come in and think that you've got some kind of chutzpah right. that would allow you to see my presence, right. you're going to die. Right, and I think that, that holiness, I mean, think about even, you know, at the end of this parasha, it talks about, you know, the cloud of glory and all that. You kind of get that image inside the tabernacle. It's a cloud right. Right. that they would come into. Um, but yeah, there's that holiness and, and, and separation between us and God. And that goes back again, I think, to some of the awe. You know, we were talking about earlier. Um, we lose that so easily. And we so oftentimes think that God is our buddy. God is not our buddy. God is God. If he happens to treat us with love and care like his children, that's, that's his choice. But we're not, we're not friends. We can be, he can call us friend, but we really don't have the right to call him friend. And I think that's um, a healthy sense of awe to realize who he is. He's so important. And the tabernacle was meant to re-inspire that, you know, that all this protocol, I mean, unbelievable amounts of protocol. Um, as we're going to see later in the, in the, the Akhari Moth and that whole section, it's like, and the whole, uh, the inauguration of these priests, a couple of Aaron's sons don't get the protocol right. They die. So it's like, that's, you know, those were, I mean, like, like you think to yourself, um, you know, on my list of people who are probably the closest to God, I would say the sons of the high priest are pretty up there. And, you know, the king tries. He's like, okay, I can do this too. I'm going to go light that incense. All. He didn't even try to go into the Holy of Holies. He's just like, let me go, I want to light my own incense. And this is kind of leprosy breaking out all over his face. The point is that, like, there are rules. And... God is so impressive and so holy, we can't cross those lines ourselves. We, we're not worthy of that. And uh, there's going to be a time when God makes us worthy of being in his presence, Amazing. but we're not there yet. And that's what we're looking for. That's the goal. The finisher of our faith. Right. But we're going to let him finish that. And in the meantime, we're going to respect him enough to realize that we're not there yet. One thing I do think is really impressive, um, you mentioned the people obeying God always. At the end of this Torah portion, it says, uh, when the cloud was raised up from the tabernacle, the children of Israel would embark on all their journeys. If the cloud did not rise up, they would not embark until the day it rose up. If the cloud of Adonai would be in the tabernacle by day and fire would be on it by night before the eyes of all the house of Israel throughout the journeys. There's the book of Exodus. Um, but the point is that the... They were in. They were. They, they wanted to be where God was. Mm -hmm. I think it's really, really meaningful to us. And that obedience again, being like, you know, think about the amount of effort and the money and the time and the design and all the things they they worked on this for months and months to put this tabernacle together. I mean, I read this passage and I think to myself this week, um, in my mind, I guess I kind of see like if you were built built a house or built something on like a video game or something like that where it's like. <clears throat> Click, wall, click, roof, you know, change color, click, click, click. Oh, how have we lost the color pattern here? You know, you know, and it's like, it happens instantly. That's not how this was built. There were a, there were an army probably of, you know, really, really uh, very impressive sewing women like my mother-in-law sitting there, you know, <laughs> stitching for hours. And then they're, hold, they're holding up these like sheets the sides of this wall up against each other. Ah, oh, I'm two inches short. Mm -hmm. Okay, keep going. 
you know. I mean, they said they were all the same. Can you imagine like making five sheets all the same? No computers. sheets, no computers. Everything is matched perfect by hand. Um, it's like this was an enormous amount of work to go into this, but it was all done because they wanted God to dwell with them. And uh, I hope that we would take the same sense of seriousness about our time with God, our prayers with God in the morning, um, and not allow that to be like, well, Shema, check. Shemoni Ezrei, check. I think I got Shemoni Ezrei. There may have been 12 stances. Well, I remember 12 anyway. But, you know, check. And it's like you can go through so many things in life like, well, I, you know, I did what I was supposed to do. But really, we should hopefully have like that sense of awe. It's like I want—I'm going to spend with time with God today, and God deserves all my attention right now, because that's where I'm here. I'm here for Him. Um, Shabbat is that opportunity, our time with God in the morning or in the evening or afternoon, maybe all three. You know, that's our opportunity, and uh, the rest of life that can be when you're distracted, focusing on work, focusing on family, on things you want to do, entertainment, whatever. But. Um, Amen. I heard you say family. <laughs> Any final comments? I think that God moved supernaturally in, in all of this. And he still does in us today. But to see the people gave so much that they had to be turned away. Mm -hmm. And to see the you incredible... Never see that in the church. <laughs> To see the incredible amount of artistry that they were gifted with, all these things, you know, God had made a plan and given it to Moses, and then he provided all that would be needed all the way back in Egypt, and then he provided the heart and the talent. Mm -hmm. exactly. So, you know, the whole thing is just a very unique supernatural event that he created. Actually, I think I think many people in churches that give for burdens or whatever else are motivated by very similar things. So yeah. I think their motivation is corrected. To me, the really sad thing is that leadership is is derelict in the sense that they would in any way compare the building of a tabernacle mm -hmm. to the building mm -hmm. of uh, a family life center. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's very that's very regrettable. But I think the people, and that's why God blesses it, because I think the people are are still wanting to be. Uh, participants and this is good and then that remind you the story of the, the bread and the fishes I couldn't help but read that when I saw that and they had and there was more than enough and there was some left over and it reminds me of that uh, that passage where it's like they were this they come up to God to Yeshua and they're like well, we got five loaves we got two fish that's gonna feed half a person so okay um, Yeshua's thinking two fish we really only needed one fish, but yeah, it's like I could, okay. <laughs> could have done it with a scale. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get the baskets of the leftovers, <laughs> right? Okay, twelve baskets of leftovers, and it kind of feels that way here. It's like, they, and there was some left over, yeah. and uh, and it reminds me kind of talking about the beginning. It's like that little boy gave what he had, but it was more than enough. Um, Although and these, the goal wasn't enough. That's one of one of the things that was in the in the in the. Kumash here actually has the commentary was noting the fact that if you did all the math, there's not enough gold. The people they say there's they didn't enough, bring gold. enough of that, but they, they didn't don't bring mention gold, that there so. was enough gold. And, and the postulation is, well, Moses was a wealthy man and had to make it up. It's like actually that's not, that's probably not the correct answer either. It's like no, they gave everything that they had. That's all the gold we have. So, but that's going to be enough. And God made it enough. He's good at that. And God was watching. Right. 
Hashtag if you're good. It's like uh, you know, it's like it's like it's like hosting someone in a one bedroom apartment. Right. God makes it big enough. That's right. Yeah. If you would close us in prayer. My pleasure. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the community you provided for us. The opportunity to come together with the minion. To pray the prayers that our master prayed. To recognize your holiness. And how you are different, set apart from us. You are the Holy One of Israel. And we are grateful that you've allowed us to draw near. Father, we pray that you would send your Son soon in our days. In the meantime, you find us, those who are set apart, not a part of the world, Father. Looking forward to and hastening the coming of our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Don't try and make me laugh. Really? Don't make me laugh.